If you're like most people, you really have a hard time making choices. You want to make the right choice, the best choice, the choice that isn't going to upset anybody, the choice that will be the least difficult to implement or the least difficult for others to accept. And one of the problems with making choices is that we don't really make choices based on the choice itself. We have a whole lot of other factors around the choice that actually often make the choice for us. And it's often a choice we're not happy about. So let's take the fear and the doubt and the anxiety out of making choices. And I'm going to show you how to make choices with confidence, clarity, and a little surprise that will free you from a lot of the doubt and anxiety around making choices. Welcome to the High Vibes Living Podcast. I'm Jennifer Hoffman, your host, and I want to show you how to create your rich, happy, and successful life. Since 2004, I've been teaching soul-congruent, mind-expanding, wholeness living to a global audience. I'm known as the world's most accurate intuitive, the iconic energy savant, a best-selling author of eight books, the expert on energy boundaries, alignment, integration, and intention. And I'm the founder of the Becoming 360 Method of Transformation. I'm here to motivate, inspire, and energize you to embrace your full potential, upsource your possibilities, revive your life, and shine your light brightly. Thank you for joining me on this week's High Vibes Living Podcast. And I hope you'll learn something that tunes you into your high vibes and motivates, energizes, and inspires you and shines some light on your journey. Let's get started. How many times do you struggle with making a choice because you just don't know what to do or all the choices seem to be bad choices or you can't imagine having to live with a choice, live forever with the choice that you're making? Surprise, can I tell you that you may be looking at this all wrong? There is a new and much better way of making choices that gives you freedom and many options and it involves seeing choices and decision making as a process with an extra step. One of the big rewards of our 5D ascension path is more awareness, which gives us more options, access to expanded energetic bandwidth, and that opens us to new portals of potential. With so much available to us, you would think that we would be thrilled at the prospect of having so many choices, but we're not. We get stuck with doubt, fear, guilt at being so blessed, shamed by our good fortune, and one more thing that keeps us stuck forever. The reason we have so much trouble making a choice is that we lump all of our hopes, dreams, solutions, rescue, and transformation on a single choice. We don't just want to make the best choice. We want to make the choice that will free us from forever having to make a life-altering choice again. We want to make the choice that is going to solve all of our problems forever. We want to make the choice that is going to make us happy, free, and successful forever. We want to make the choice that no one will guilt, shame, judge, or criticize us for. We want to make the choice that everyone will approve of and will be happy with. Sometimes we don't want to make a choice, so we delay the process hoping that the choice will make itself. Here, we don't make a choice so that eventually all of the other options become 
obsolete or they just don't work and then we are faced with a single option which may not be the best choice but now we don't really have to make a choice because there's only one thing to choose or we don't want to make a choice because we hope that someone else does something that makes the choice obvious and painless and with all that baggage attached to our choices we can't come up with a single choice because there is no choice like that there is no single choice that is going to solve all of our problems forever. And then there's another issue. One of the big factors in the choice and decision process, the secret hidden factor that we don't like to admit even to ourselves, and that's the consequences of our choices. We really consider choices and make decisions based on consequences we want to avoid or will tolerate. Tell me that isn't true. How many times have you considered different options and graded them according to how others would react to them? Be honest here. And I can tell you from my own life experience, from the experience of many of my clients, this is true. I can't tell you how many times I've talked to clients about choices and options and their response is, oh, my children won't like that. Or, oh, I don't know how others will react. Or, gee, the people in my life won't like that. Or, what are people going to think about me? This is trained behavior. We are trained, sometimes very young as, as children, to make choices and options and to care about, you know, based on what other people are going to think about them and to give a lot of importance to other people's reactions. Yes, reputation is important. And yes, it, it is important to some degree to do, uh, consider what other people will think about you, especially if you're making really like, obtuse choices. But to be honest, when you look at choices based on how other people are going to react to your choices, you're no longer choosing for yourself. You're choosing based on consequences. So let's look at the choice process itself, because not only do we limit our choice options, we don't understand that there's an entire process, and this is what makes us afraid, doubtful, lacking in confidence, and creating the procrastination paralysis every time we have to make choices, to choose something, and decide on our next steps. First, choices are no more than options that are available to us. For example, if I invite you to eat out to dinner, I may ask what kind of food you want, and you'll have a choice of restaurants and food types, Italian, Thai, Chinese, Japanese, American, French, etc., depending on what kind of restaurants are in the area. Then, together, we make a decision based on our agreed choice. We both decide we want the same kind of food. Now, this isn't going to work if one person insists on Thai and the other insists on Italian. But there's a simple solution to that, right? You each go to the restaurant of your choice and you don't eat together. Isn't that simple? In real life, though, it's not that simple, is it? If we're faced with that kind of choice, what do we tend to do? We tend to do what somebody else wants us to do. If we really care about their opinion, we'll do what they want to do because we don't want them to think badly of us. You see how this whole choice process gets so complicated by other things that have nothing to do with our choices. Now let's talk about decisions. A decision is a judgment, a decree, or a process of elimination to a single option. A decision is what we do when we look at all the choices and we decide which one is the one that we want. 
we have decided. So say, for example, if I want to eat Italian food, I have some choices. I can go and eat at a restaurant that serves Italian, among other things, or I can go to an Italian restaurant. Those are my two choices. I decide where I want to go, and that's where I go have my dinner. That's my decision. Then when I get to the restaurant, I have to make another decision about what I'm going to eat. The menu is a list of meal choices or options. After I look through the menu and I decide what I want, my decision is going to determine what I'm going to have for dinner. <clears throat> now comes the next part, the one that no one ever talks about, no one ever teaches, and that we don't even really know exists. And that's the debrief, the after event process, where we look at our decisions and consider that maybe we want to do something different. You mean we can change our mind and consider other choices or options? Absolutely. Even at a restaurant, if you go to a restaurant and you pick something and maybe they bring you the food and maybe it tastes terrible. I remember one time I went out to dinner with a friend and she ordered this like broccoli cheddar soup, which isn't something I really care for, but they brought her the soup and she took a bite and looked at me, took another bite and she said, I want you to taste this soup and tell me if it's my imagination or does it taste like they just poured a whole cup of salt in the soup. And I took one little taste of the soup and it was pure salt. I don't know who made the mistake, but definitely somebody oversalted the soup. So we called the waiter over and said, this soup is, is so salty, it's inedible. And my friend said, we, I would like something else. I cannot eat this soup. So he, of course, brought the manager over. The manager took a bite and he said, you're right. We need to take this off the menu tonight. And they gave her a different kind of soup, like a free salad or something. We don't consider that there is an option to change our mind. That, and that's what the debrief is about. When I was in the tech world, I used to manage enormous technical projects with dozens of people on different teams, sometimes in many different geographic locations. These were huge pieces of software. They had many moving parts, many different aspects, and all had to come together and flow together and work, and it all had to be ready by a certain time. You can imagine that the last few weeks were really busy. But after the project was successfully launched and after everything went live, we would have a debrief because this was part of what we did. I managed these projects. So when one project was over, I started on the next one. And we looked at things like what worked, what was really good about the project, what was really terrible about the project, things that we did that we could have done better, maybe that we needed to not ever do again. People on the team who really performed, people on the team who were in the wrong jobs, or people on the team who we would not have on the next team. And the debrief was important because in the moment when we had to make certain choices, sometimes we were really crunched for time and we didn't have the option of taking a long time. We couldn't afford to make mistakes, but we also didn't have a lot of time to drag out decisions. But at the same time, and we would make a note of things and we would talk about them in the debrief, the post-project debrief, which was our meeting where we discussed an overview of the project and then went over, again, problems, issues, successes, you know, things that weren't so great. So this is something that we can do in our lives too. And I want to share a funny story too here with you that happened in one of my debriefs. And this is also about choices because we can make choices and decisions based on preconceived notions and how we 
think about things. So I'm not a huge fan of cheesecake. I, I like it okay. I like a little piece every now and then, but it's just, I don't know if it's too big. They serve it, the pieces they serve are too big or it's just too much cheese or whatever, but I'm not a huge cheesecake fan. So at one of my, our big debriefs and I work at a, I worked at a major bank. We had just finished a huge project and we were at the debrief and we usually would go out to dinner after the debrief or go out to like a big team lunch or a team dinner after the, the debrief. And somebody said, let's go to Cheesecake Factory. And I looked and I said, no, nah, I don't really like cheesecake. And they said, but they serve different food. They serve other things besides cheesecake at Cheesecake Factory. And I said, oh, well, I never really considered going there because of the name. I'm not really a big fan of cheesecake, so I wasn't going to go into a restaurant that served cheesecake for everything. And everybody laughed, of course. We went to Cheesecake Factory, and I found out that, yes, they serve a wide variety of food plus a wide variety of cheesecakes for dessert if you decide to have cheesecake, which I did not. The reason I'm bringing this up is because there are so many different things that we don't consider which become part of our whole choice and decision process. And this is where we get stuck in choices because we don't consider, first of all, that there are a lot of other mitigating factors that are swirling around in our heads, make sometimes making choices for us. But we also look for the choice. We look for the one thing that is going to be the choice we either have to live with forever or that is going to solve our problems forever instead of considering that the choice in that moment will be something else at some point in the future in the debrief which i highly suggest that you consider as part of your choice and decision making process is a review of a process to look at what worked what didn't what can be done differently in the future, as well as what never needs to be repeated. And you know that there are times when you look back at choices you made and you go, oh, I never want to do that again. So here's, again, a story that I've shared with you before. If you've listened to my Enlightening Life Live weekly broadcast, my daughter was visiting me and she was going through my cookbooks and she said, Mom, why do you have like stars by some and no underline by some? And I said, well, because I made the recipes and I either really liked them or they were not very good. So the ones especially that weren't very good, in case I forget, I don't want to make them again. So I would write no next to them in big letters. And my daughter thought that was very funny. But why spend the time and the energy making something that I'd already tried once and I didn't like it? And if I don't remember it, it the recipe sounded good. The end product was not that great. Or it was just something I didn't like. So I wanted to remind myself to put a little note in there that I never want to do that again. So here's the process to make freedom-based decisions you can live with now and also have the freedom to change later. Number one, write down the problem you're trying to solve or the situation you're in. You know, generally when we are faced with a life-changing situation or so we have to make a choice and it's important, we consider the choice. We don't consider the problem. What is the problem you're trying to solve or what are you actually trying to accomplish? Where do you find yourself? And then, and actually number two is what are you trying to accomplish? So we look at the choice based on the problem. We don't tie the problem what we're trying to accomplish because then sometimes that gives us more choices and it gives us more options. And if you've read my 30 Days to Everyday Miracles book, you know that this is true. There are many ways for miracles to be manifested. We often think of 
one or two in the universe is far more creative than we are and ends up giving us another five or ten options. But we need to look at the combination of the situation we're in and exactly what we're trying to accomplish. Number three, consider the choices or the options. Write them down if you need to. Remember my story of how I had a flat tire on my car and I didn't know who to call? I could have changed the tire, but you know, I have a big car. The tires mounted on the wheels weigh about 70 pounds. And I just thought, you know what? I'm going to pay for a tow truck. I'm going to have somebody come out here and change it. So I did know who to call. And at the time I lived in Missouri, a state that does not regulate tow trucks. So they can pretty much charge you whatever they want. So I called my insurance agent. I thought, you know, they use tow trucks all the time to help people. They'll know who to call. And guess what I found out? So when I called my insurance agent, I said, I need a tow truck. I need someone to change the tire because my car has a flat tire. Of course, then I had to explain that my car was actually in my garage. that I had not even been able to leave my house because I had a flat tire. She said, oh, no problem. That's covered in your car insurance. We'll send somebody right out. So I got a tow truck with a, a very nice driver, a very nice man who was actually very happy to be changed because this was, it was in February and it was very cold out. He was very happy to have a job where he got to change a flat tire in my nice warm garage and get a cup of coffee from me on, on top of that. And it was free because it was covered in my insurance. So when we consider the options, we need to also leave a little room for miracles. Number four, what are the consequences of each choice and are you willing to face them if you decide on that option? I, I want you to write a make a big circle around this, star this one, because this is what really makes our choices for us. Are we willing to live with the consequences of our choices? Say you decide to take a splurge on a family vacation. Maybe you go on an expensive cruise or you go to a private island or I mean, you spend a ton of money. And you tell family members and they go, why would you waste your money like that? Or how can you spend that money? You know that I need money or I can't make my house payment or gee, I could use some of that money to buy a new car, get my car fixed. And what do they do? They try and shame you for making that choice or make you feel guilty because you're spending money that they think you should be spending on them. So the consequences become really important because that's what's making your choices for you. So if you can get past that, that point, good for you, because now we're on to number five, which do you like best? Which ones will take the least amount of time, the most amount of time, and which are just not feasible for right now? And sometimes this comes down to the choice which has the least or the least difficult consequences. But when you look at choices and you look at the different options that you have, and you have to decide really you really need to take time to look at the ones that besides the consequences and I urge you to take those off the table because some well for some there it's a valid thing you know having going out and making doing something foolish like drinking and driving or driving and texting or you know doing other foolish things has serious consequences and you need to consider those but often we don't look at which of these choices do I like the best and which of them do I really not like at all. For example, if you go to a restaurant, you know what kind of food you like. 
you're not going to order food on from the menu and pay for it if you don't like the food. You know, those of you who know, I don't like tomatoes. I'm not going to order a tomato salad if I go out to a restaurant because I don't like tomatoes. I don't eat them at home. I'm certainly not going to pay $8 or more for a tomato salad that I'm probably not going to eat. So you really need to consider which choices do you like best? Which ones really appeal to you and which ones are you just going to take off the table? All right. Number six, strike off the choices that do not meet your criteria, that are not right for you, that don't appeal to you. I like this. I don't like it. It's, again, you're making a choice for right now, not forever. Number seven, decide from the choices that remain. So one of the problems we have when we look at choices and we try to decide is there are too many choices. There are too many things in front of us. And not all of them are options. I'm sorry, they're not. Just like you go to a restaurant. There are foods you eat. There are foods you don't eat. There are things you like. There are things you don't like. So everything on that menu is not an option for you. Maybe you're allergic to certain things. That counts a lot of things out. So by the time you're done, from a list of 20 things, you have maybe three or four that now become part of your choice matrix. Which of those three or four then will work for you and become an actual choice. And then the final step, and here's the last step, and this is important too, pick a date to do a debrief and to reconsider your decision. This is important. You have to give yourself the option of reviewing your choices. And we'll, I'll get to this in just a moment and give you some examples. But you have to be able to reconsider the choice you made and look at it in terms of, is it still valid? Do I still want it? Does this still work for me? Is it the right thing to do? You know, as I said to you when I, in my corporate days when I was working on the technology side and overseeing really big projects, we didn't do the same thing on every project. We had a core set of activities that we always did, but even within those, there were things that would, that worked or that didn't work, or sometimes there were uh, you know, processes that would work on one project that didn't work on another one. And we always had options within our processes because we needed to make sure that everything worked. These were big applications with heavy user bases, usually in, on some kind of financial application. So there was no margin for error. They had to work and they had to work correctly. So we needed to make sure that everything we did, every option that we took, every choice that we presented ourselves with, every decision we made was really based on the needs of the project, but also on what we knew worked and what we knew didn't work. There you have it. The freedom way to consider options and choices and make decisions. Are you ready for this freedom? And by the way, Considering the debrief process and the review, I want to leave you with this important consideration. Are you ready to tell someone that you have made a commitment, an obligation, or a promise that you are reconsidering your options and you just can't fulfill the commitment? It's okay for you to say that. And in fact, it's wise for you to consider it because if not, your life is full of commitments and obligations that you no longer want to make, but you do them anyway. So what happens if you say no? What are the consequences? At some point, we have to clear out our life's energy drains, and this is a big one. 
the inability to choose what is right and best for us, to decide on a path forward, and then to reconsider our commitments and re-choose when it is the right and best thing for us to do for ourselves. And I have so many examples of this where I have suggested to clients in, in different ways, you can reconsider that option. This is something you no longer want to do. So tell the person that you're just no longer available. And I can remember the first time I told a client that and she said, can I really do that? And I said, well, of course you can. Just tell her, I know I made this commitment. I didn't realize that it was going to be this long or that it would involve this much work or this much effort. I'm reconsidering my options. I'm not available anymore. You will have to find somebody else or some version of that, depending on the situation. And she was afraid because it meant basically going back on a commitment she'd made. But to her credit, the commitment actually involved a far bigger outlay of time, energy, and effort than she had been told. The person was taking advantage of her in, in some very not nice ways. And it was just time for her to just say, you know, take all her power back, take all her energy back and say, nah, this doesn't work for me anymore. You'll have to find somebody else. It's perfectly okay for you to do that. So now that you're armed with the freedom to choose and decide and then review that decision at a later point, don't worry about making the permanent choice. There's no such thing. You now know this isn't possible and it shouldn't be a burden in your choice and decision process. So now that you know this, you have all of the tools and the information and the details to choose for yourself, to choose confidently, to decide with conviction and then to reconsider freely and with grace and ease. Consider your options, consider the choices you can make from those options, decide what you want, and then set a date to reconsider to make sure that this is really what you want. And if another choice is necessary, you go through the whole process again. Thanks so much for tuning in to the High Vibes Living Podcast. I'm Jennifer Hoffman, your host. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode and that it has inspired, motivated, and energized you to take a few steps towards your rich, happy, and successful life. If you need more inspiration for your life path, check out my eight best-selling books on Amazon or look at a transformational intuitive session, coaching, or program on my website, enlighteninglife.com. Be sure to sign up for my newsletter and join my over 5 million weekly blog readers. Please subscribe to the High Vibes Living Podcast. Give it a like and a review. Your acknowledgement helps others find us and get the information and inspiration they need to turn their pain into joy and their fear into confidence. Your Becoming 360 transformation into congruence and divine harmony is a step away, as is your rich, happy, and successful life. Join us each week for a new episode, and I look forward to our next time together.